I want to preach a message at the beginning of the year called Looking Forward. Looking Forward, which is a great thing to do at the beginning of the year. I am pretty sure that most of us are glad that 2020 is over. I mean, it's like hitting your head against the wall. It's so nice when you stop. And I, I, like, I, I squeezed all the joy I found. I feel like I squeezed all the joy I could out of 2020. And I'm ready for 2021. And I'm ready for a new day and there's hope and there's joy, right? So um, what I am particularly proud of is that we stood together as a church. And I'm particularly proud that we loved one another and we cared for one another in a, in a really divisive and really ugly year. In a, in a year that had potential uh, to rip apart the church, to, uh, to massive divisions over mask-wearing, not mask-wearing, political uh, affiliations, whatever, different value systems, and, and I'm pretty sure that everybody in the room has a very, very strong set of beliefs on all of that, as, as do Michelle and I. But this, this thing that I'm, I'm just chuffed about is that we stood together as a church, that we learned to love one another, we walk in unity, and that uh, at the end of the day, whether you believe in wearing masks or not wearing masks, I still owe you a debt of love. Well, no matter who you voted for in the presidential election, I still owe you a debt of love, because if you're part of the body of Christ, then, then I, no, you belong to me and I belong to you, and we need each other. And the, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I need you, and you need me. And so uh, let's engage like that. Amen. Uh, even though you are strange, and I can't believe you think like you do. Is that fair? <laughs> the whole world is strange, but me and thee and even thou art a little touched at times. So I want to say let's start this year by being alert. This is not the time... Uh, to be dozy. This is not the time to give up. I know it's been a long year. I know it's been a hard year. I know it's been a tough road, but now is not the moment to just let go and relax. Now is the moment to be alert because I have become aware that for many people that I'm talking to, the, the, the enemy has been drawing near at the end of the day as they're tired, as they're weary, as they fought the battle and they bruised and a little cut up. The enemy comes after the long battle, after the dark night and whispers lies into your ears. And those lies are particularly, I'm particularly susceptible to the lies when I'm tired. And I just, I did, it just started to, to resonate with me about a month ago, and, and, and I've watched it as we've been whispering, to, talking to people, and I'm hearing the same whispers come out. I'm going, hey, hey, that's a lie. But it's an eminently believable one. It feels right. It tastes right. It aligns with how tired we are. It aligns with the sense of... Yeah, maybe we should just back off. Maybe we should just back up. Maybe we should just go hide in a corner somewhere. And that's the opposite of what the Lord is saying. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, If anyone you forgive, I will also forgive. And what I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Fascinating to me, Paul says, listen, we need to let forgiveness flow in the church. Because if unforgiveness flows in the church, then we're aligning ourselves with Satan's schemes. He says, I'm not unaware of the Satan's schemes. One of the schemes of the devil is to, is to foster division in the church, constant division in the church, and then unforgiveness. And now we have two camps, or five camps, or 50 camps in three weeks' time. 
And Paul said, I'm not unaware of the devil's schemes, so, so forgive people. And if you forgive them, I forgive them. So we need to be alert. We need to, uh, this message is really just a call, a trumpet sound across the church to say, hey, I want you to be aware that the enemy has been wandering around whispering into people's ears some lies that I think we need to just take note of and we need to wholeheartedly reject with everything inside of us and we need to call the lie a lie. In Isaiah, there's a scripture where he says that there's a spirit of delusion that deludes people and they cut down a tree and with half the tree they make a fire and with the other half they make a god. And then they worship the god and then they says they are so deluded that they cannot say to themselves, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? I just chopped this tree down, now I'm worshiping the tree. And they don't understand it. And every now and again we have to just stop and say, wait, that's a lie. Right? So I'm, I'm hoping that I can help you call out some lies this morning. So the scripture says, Ephesians, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. 1 Peter 4, be alert and sober-minded so that you can pray. Be alert because you have an enemy that, that seeks to devour. So there's this call in the New Testament scriptures like, hey guys, hey, 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 it's not a moment. It's not an opportunity for the believers to not be alert. Let's just Shake loose a little. Let's just draw our attention a little closer and say, now's the time for prayer and resistance of something that the enemy is trying to do. So let me get to the five lies that I think are whispered in weak moments. Five lies that are whispered in weak moments. Number one, God has forsaken you or God has appointed dark days for you. Now, that is the whisper. Oh, you know... God has moved away from America. You know, I've heard this in different things. God has backed off America. God's not backed off America. This is a nation dear to his heart. The agenda of God for this, these United States is still going to happen. God has not backed off us a millimeter. God has not backed off you. God has not moved away from anything he's promised you. God is not backed off. He's not removed himself far away. He's not left you to your own devices. God is showing up in your life. And that's what the Bible says. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Why do we say it with such confidence? Because the Lord has been so emphatic. I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. But the whisper of the enemy at the end of the long night or the long battle and the, and is, is that, you know, God has now left you for a while. He's just going to leave you for a couple of years. You're on your own. You, you've got to figure this out now because God's, you know, he's got other things. There's this general sense of God has moved away. God has not moved away. God has not left a single thing on the table. God is going to keep every word. He's going to keep everything he's promised you. He will not back down. Because 2 Corinthians says that God always causes us to walk in a triumphal procession. God doesn't always explain what he's doing to us. And he doesn't always explain what he's doing to the enemy. So every time in history, when it looks like the enemy is winning, all God is doing is bringing him on to the punch. There's a boxing term. Letting him come in so you can deliver the death blow. 
in the, in the moment of the enemy's greatest triumph, when he nailed the Son of God and Jesus said, it is finished, and he died, and the enemy went, and as he went, put up his hands in victory, the temple was ripped into the curtain. The enemy was like, what is going on? Something changed. Something's happened. And he's completely, says if he had been aware, they would not, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Every time it looks like the enemy's winning, it's because God is bringing him unto the punch. So, so don't, don't get freaked out. Don't believe the lie that God has left you. Don't believe the lie that God has appointed you dark days. Oh, but, but Greg, you know, um, uh, didn't, didn't Jesus also say, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, Jesus took your, Jesus was cut off from God so that you could be joined. You don't have to be cut off from God because Jesus was already cut off from God on your behalf. Yours, your inheritance, your responsibility, your heritage is not to be cut off from God. Yours is to be very, very close. You who were once far, Paul says, have now been brought very near. You have been added and made one with Christ Jesus, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Can we just, can we just, can we just shake that off? He was cut off from God so that you could be embraced. Don't let the enemy's lies steal that from you. Jesus specifically promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you are always going to be carried around in the march of his victory. So you can say with confidence, and quite honestly, you should say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can people do to me? In Isaiah, there's a scripture that says, Can a mother forget the baby that's nursing at her breast? And even if that were possible, I will not forget you, says the Lord. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I have, I have stenciled you. I have, I've got a tattoo of you on my hands. I cannot forget you. I will not move away from you. And sometimes we get distracted, and so we project that onto God. God must get distracted sometimes too. And sometimes we stop thinking about him and we assume that because I've did it, maybe he stopped thinking about me, but he never gets distracted. He who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. His eye is on you. He will not move away. He does not back up. He has not moved far away and he has not appointed dark days for you. He has appointed great blessing for you, times of joy and peace. His plans are to prosper you and to bless you and to give you hope and a future. And I'm just quoting scripture. So I want you to say this out loud. Can you just, just dare say this out loud? God is my helper. His plans are to prosper me and to give me great hope. All right, number two. God's word is not true and prophecy can't be trusted. I hear this lie whispered now a lot. Oh, you can't trust the prophecy. You know, I'm not sure God really said that. And that's what the enemy started saying in Genesis 3 verse 1. The enemy said, did God really say that? And he still keeps that same lie going. Did God really say that to you? Because he knows that the moment you add faith to what God said, it's, and it's established, the creative power of God starts to move on your behalf. And so the, the, the thing that the enemy can do, he cannot stop God speaking, but he can hope to try and stop you believing what God said. Did God really say that to you? And I hear this whisper all the time. Is God really saying that over the nation? And you know what? Just because you can't see the way God's going to accomplish what he promised doesn't mean that God changed his mind and what he promised. 
Because it's not up to me to finish the promise of God. It's me, up to me to believe what God said he would do. He'd do. I don't have to understand how God does it because there's pretty much no way I'm going to do that. I just have to believe that he will do it. Second Peter 3. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. Can I, just hit the pause, can I just hit the pause button and get an amen, please? Our society is filled with scoffers who don't walk in submission to God and want to scoff at a lot of what God's word says, as though it's not the truth. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? The implication is, you know, he makes promises. Nothing happens. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on since it has from the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. The big push from the enemy right now is to walk away from the words that God has spoken over us. I must have spoken to three or four people in the last two weeks ago. You know, I was just thinking, maybe I should just throw all these words away. And I go... No, don't believe the lie. That's just a whisper at the end of a, of a dark night. Don't believe that lie. The promises of God over your life are always true. And just because you haven't yet seen them, and just because you can't see the way God's going to do it, doesn't mean that they lost any of their power or intentionality or that God has backed off of them. Now is the worst time to back off the prophetic words. Now is the best time to align with the prophetic over your life absolutely join with it. But I can't see it. That's okay. The prophets who prophesied, and the Bible says they longed to understand that the Spirit of God was pointing out Jesus, and they prophesied who is, where he was going to be born, what time he was going to be born, what he was going to look like, what was going to be his destiny. He was going to go to Egypt. They prophesied and prophesied and prophesied. And you go, how could they miss him? But when Jesus stood in front of them, they go, who are you? Did God really say? Yes, God did really say. And even though I can't imagine the process, he is still well able. And what he has promised to you is an easy thing. Let me just, can I, can I just, can I just um, nail this point down? What we think is a difficult thing is an easy thing for the Lord. It's not like the Lord is exerting himself to get your promise fulfilled. It's an easy thing for the Lord to do what he promised you. He's not even going to raise a sweat. He's not even going to get off the throne. He's just going to say it from the throne. And when you believe it, it's an easy thing for God to accomplish what he's promised to you. And, and it's time for us to get a bigger view of our God and a smaller view of our circumstances. But that's what the long, dark night, the long battle produces a wow, our enemy are really strong, and it's time for the church to lift our eyes one more time and go, man, our God is awesome. This is an easy thing for the Lord. So I want you, to, would you say this with me? God's word is true. His promises to me are still valid because he always keeps his word. Number three, you are not in God's favor. So come back to a works-based gospel and earn it back. Uh, 
The enemy is always trying to get us out of the grace of God and into a works-based gospel. He's always trying to get you out of Christ and put you back on your own two feet. No, no, no. What Jesus did was great, but come out here, and then you have to earn God's favor again. But the Bible says it is God who qualified you to share in the inheritance of his son. Do not let anybody else disqualify you. That's what Paul said. Don't let anyone else disqualify you from from the prize. You, because you believed in Jesus Christ, have come under the favor of God, And that favor will not be removed from you as long as you remain in Christ. If you reject Christ, then you're on your own. But if you remain in Christ, the favor of God remains on you. You are under the favor of God in Jesus Christ. And that favor will never be taken away from you. It's time you learn to love it and live in it and expect it and preach it and celebrate it. I'm under the favor of God. Well, I don't feel like that, Greg. Well, tell that thing, go away, you lie. Because I am under the favor of God, and you are too if you're in Christ. And there's this danger where where the enemy can just get us away from all these things, and he he keeps lying. Oh, you know, God's favor is not on you, so you have to come earn it out here. And then you get into that constant wheel spinning, that never-ending cycle of trying to earn just a little carrot just in front of you. If you just prayed another three hours a day, if you just did this, if you just gave a little bit more, if you just, it's just always three steps just ahead of you. Then you're going to find the favor of God and you condemn yourself to a life of condemnation, always reaching, never attaining. But in Christ Jesus, you have already attained all the favor of God because Jesus bought it for you. I love this gospel. Galatians 1. I am astonished. Astonished that you are so quickly forsaking the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. God called you to live your life in the grace of Christ. I'm astonished, Paul says, that you're leaving the one who called you to live in grace and you're turning to a different gospel, not to live in grace which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel should preach another gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. The gospel calls us to live in the grace of God and Jesus. uh, uh, Never again do I plan to leave that gospel and go back under a gospel that makes my perfection the standard for God's favor on my life. Because if your perfection, if your absolute perfection in morality and living just right and so, if, if when you hit perfection, then God's favor comes on you, which is what religion teaches, then you will never ever get there and you will spend your whole life searching, whole life in condemnation. But friends, you and I need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in Christ Jesus, the favor of God is extended to you because of Jesus. And when you believe, that favor is yours to drink of and celebrate and, and, and live with. So I, I do press forward. I do pursue righteousness as Paul exhorted Timothy. I do train myself towards godliness because these are the most congruent things with my new nature. But I do not trust any one of those efforts, which are important. But I don't trust any one of my own efforts. But I trust Jesus and his finished work 
alone. You who are in Christ are under God's favor. You are his beloved. You have his loving eye on you. You uh, are his favorite. He and his whole team of angels and saints form a great cloud of witnesses, and they all came down to cheer on your game. You get on the, 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 the playing field on the Saturday morning, and your coach is there, goes, who's the crowd? You look up, and there's God the Father, and all the saints, and all the angels come to cheer you on. I, I struggle to believe that. Well, that's the truth of it. God's favor remains on you in Christ, and God will not remove his favor from you because he regards you through the actions of Jesus, and he gives you the merits that Jesus earned on your behalf. Makes you want to just say, thank you, Jesus. I dare you to say this out loud. God's favor rests on me. All right, are you still with me? Number four. This lie has been perpetrated now by some people on some other mountains. The kingdom is for Sundays, but the real power is with the rich and the hidden. Look, it's quaint that you believe all this stuff. It's cute. You, you, you should have. The Constitution says you can have a religion. So have your religion. Just keep it to an hour on Sunday and don't bother us on the, on the rest of the week because the real power, the real energy, the, where the decisions really get made is in politics and with, with really wealthy business people. Those are the guys who actually have the power. And this God that you serve, it's quaint. Go ahead and serve him on a Sunday. But don't bring that kingdom stuff into, into the rest of the week. James 5 says, the prayer that's offered in faith will raise a sick person up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The rulers of this world always conspire against the Lord and against his anointed. They continually seek to throw off the, the mantle and the yoke of God. They don't want God ruling over them. They don't want to have to array their lives under his morality. They don't like their thinking uh, guarded by uh, what the scriptures say. They want to break down everything. They want to resist God. They want to throw off his yoke. They want to push back from everything everything that he stands for, and we're seeing that from some people in the nation. They've set themselves up fundamentally in rebellion to God because it's the only alternative to them bowing down to him. They had a choice. You either bow, and when they refused to bow, they, they had to go into rebellion and had to tear down everything that God stands for. Now, this whole world, this whole reality, this universe is going to get wrapped up in the end by God. And he's, the Bible says he's reserved everything for fire, and then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And he's totally the master of everything. And all these petty leaders who scoff and mock against God and his reign will discover their error. And this whole existence that we're all part of ends with every knee that was ever created bowing itself to the majesty of Jesus Christ and every tongue that ever made a sound confessing his lordship. That's how this all ends. It ends no other way. There is no other possibility. His kingdom, far from being a side little issue for a few mavericks, is the central agenda for the universe. This is his world. We get to live in it. Oh, this is your world? Yeah, it's my world. Oh, okay, well, then I, can I live in? Yeah. Okay, then tell me the rules. 
God is awesome and our prayers are powerful and effective. Can you just say that with me? God is awesome and my prayers are powerful and effective. I guarantee you the enemy's been whispering that to some people. Yeah, God's not really that impressive and your prayers are not doing anything. Number five, <laughs> there is a hope for you because the, the enemy says there's no hope for you. Listen, no hope for you. Your God's been kind to you up until now. Oh, you've known the love of God, yes. Yes, you've experienced encouragement, but now there's no hope for you. Now God has left you. Now God taught you to swim. God brought you out into the water because now he wants to drown you. God brought you out of Egypt because he wants to starve you to death in the desert. That's the nature of your God, and that's what the enemy's been saying for years, thousands of years, and it's simply not the truth. There is a great future hope for you. There is massive beauty for you. There is an unbelievable inheritance stored up for you. There is glory unspeakable for you. Proverbs 23, there's surely, surely a future hope for you, and that hope will not be cut off. No hopeless situations, just hopeless people. There is surely a future hope for us. There's hope around every corner, hidden in every circumstance, Hope from within where Jesus lives inside of us. Hope from above where our Father smiles down on us. Hope at night. Hope in the morning. Hope when we can see the answers. Hope, especially when we can't, there is hope for you. And that hope will not be taken away. Do not let the enemies lie. Do not believe the lie. There's no hope for you. There is massive, out, unbelievable, overflowing hope in the heart of God for you and for your circumstances. Because right now, with whatever you're facing, there are about a million things God could do this minute to help you out of them. There is surely a future hope for you. And if those million, you don't like any, he, there's another 10 million, he could, well, why don't we try this then? This is an easy thing for the Lord. And tell me you're in a hopeless situation. You, you serve a God who has all power, all power, all authority in heaven and earth. All of it has been given to him. <laughs> what do you need? Say it out loud. I have a glorious future. Glistening with hope. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because I want to, I want to end this with, with some, just a worship. Let's just, it's time to, to just take the lie and throw it to the ground and stomp on it and say this is the truth about who he is. So let me just say the five truths that are absolute in the scriptures that, that the enemy is trying to tear down. Number one, God is my ever-present ever helper. The enemy says God's far away. His word is always true. Did God really say that? I don't believe that. His favor rests on me. God, you're not under the favor of God anymore. He's powerful and awesome, and our prayers are effective. God's not really interested in what goes on in life, and your prayers don't amount to anything. It's the lie. And there's surely a future hope for us, is the truth. The enemy says there's no hope for you. Now I know that as I've been speaking, some of you have been going, yeah, amen. And some of you have been going, oh my because you've seen something that was whispered and you didn't intend to believe it, but somehow it crept into your heart or your mind and you go, yeah, I sort of believed that one. Yeah, I, I, I sort of adopted that one as semi-truth. And I just want to say, 
this is a, this is a moment for you to just point out a lie. Say, that is a lie. It's pernicious, it's ugly, and it's, it's warring against your soul. It fights to destroy you. It is a lie. And if you allow it, it'll steal your inheritance from you. A thief may break into your house and steal your goods, but a lie that has come into your heart and mind and you don't take it out will steal your inheritance, and we will not allow that this morning. It may not take anything from the church of Jesus Christ. We will not be people who give ourselves over to unbelief. We will be full of faith because we will not allow the lie. And the Bible says it is the heritage of the church to take every thought captive and make it bow to Jesus Christ. You have authority. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't be telling you, but you have the authority to grab hold of that thought and say, you're a lie, and I will not have you in my mind, and I will not abide you in my heart. You will bow the knee, and you will confess Jesus' lordship, because this is the truth. There is surely future hope for me. Maybe you believe God is far away, and maybe some of you need to say, God is my helper and an ever-present one at that. Maybe some of you have been tempted to back off the promises and the prophecies God has made over you, and you need to say God's word is always true. And maybe some of you have believed you've lost the favor of God, and you need to reclaim this morning that his favor rests on me in Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you have backed off and put the kingdom as a little thing that happens on a Sunday, but the rest of the week is where we really live. And maybe some of you just need to say, my God is so awesome. My prayers are powerful. And maybe some of you lost hope. And maybe some of you in this moment need to declare, there is surely, surely future hope for me. If you're dealing with one, or if you're dealing with all of those, it's going to require a little bit of an action on your part. Don't be passive now. This is a moment not to respond to me, but to do business with our King. And so as the, as the worship team just begin to worship and adore the Lord, I'm going to invite you to do business with our King. And say, Lord, that lie, I rebuke it. I cut it down. And I say, this is true. This is who you are. Let's align ourselves with truth. Let's align ourselves with the Word of God. Let's start the year in this is the way. So, Father, we come in Jesus' name to give you worship and adoration. And, Lord, by your Spirit, I pray that right now, if there's a lie that's been settled in people's hearts and minds, would you just uproot it, destroy it? And by the authority you said you gave the church, Lord, we take every thought captive. Make it obey Jesus Christ. You lying dog. We rebuke those lies. But, Lord, we thank you for the truth. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.